I'd like to start this morning in Galatians. So if you turn in your Bibles to uh, Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. And I want to begin with the first uh, 14 verses as an introductory to some of or, or, or get us our get a setting here for some of the content that we'll have this morning. So Galatians 3, starting in verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Now let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness? Know then that it is those of faith who are of the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. Uh, so then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of the law, and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith, rather the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. Go back just a few verses in chapter 2 and verse 15. And again, this is when Paul opposes Peter. And he says, we, are, we ourselves, two, chapter 2, verse 15, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Why do I begin in Galatians when we're speaking about Christian ethics? Why would I want to start here? Um, the, the content, starting last week and especially this week, we're talking about pursuing holiness. We're talking about pursuing uh, conformity to Christ in doing good works out of obedience to Christ, out of love for Jesus. Um, which, and these good works are which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them, thinking about obedience in bearing fruit. That was one of the, and we'll come back and review this, but started to speak a little bit about bearing fruit, ethics for the glory of God. And so all of this language about obedience and bearing fruit and pursuing holiness and works, good works, I want to remind you, brothers and sisters, of the gospel. That the gospel is salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. 
And I know you know that, but I want to remind you of that because we do not do these things to earn merit with God or to somehow uh, be saved, but because we already are, because Christ has already transformed us and has given us new hearts. Um, So in our pursuit of holiness, we're doing this because of of a new work, of a new nature in our hearts, and not that we might somehow merit favor with God. Does that make sense? I hope. Let me pray to that end, and then we'll get started here this morning. Father, we are grateful uh, for this new day and the beauty of the fall weather and the changing of the seasons. We know that you display your glory and creation. You have brought us to this moment this morning. We are grateful. We are thankful for the gospel and that we would always live in the gospel, uh, that that would be true of us, uh, that we would know that salvation is by faith alone, by grace alone, in Christ alone, and all that he has done already, uh, the work that he has done. So I pray that that would be true, and I pray, though, as we remember that, that we would also think of what it means to be followers of Christ, to be not only hearers of the word, but doers as well. So bless our thinking this morning. Help us to always be biblical, always be found in uh, the scriptures, that that would be our anchor and our only authority of truth. Bless these this morning who have come and uh, pray your help for them in their days. This morning and and work, and in family, and in school, and all that you have put before them, that you would uh, bless them. So we, we love you, and we thank you, and we pray uh, these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, week five, as I said, first week was an introduction and a definition of ethics. Uh, <clears throat> that is, what are those acts, attitudes, and personal character traits that uh, find God's favor or find God's approval or pleasing to God and those that are not. That was our definition. The second week was what is the basis of ethics, and that was the very character of God uh, found in Scripture. So that was the third week. What is the source of ethics is Scripture. And we talked about the the sufficiency of Scripture, the necessity of Scripture, the authority of Scripture, the inerrancy of Scripture, inspiration of Scripture, those kind of things. And then last week was uh, what is the goal of ethics? And we said that the goal of ethics is to glorify God, for the glory of God. And we're going to look at that in three ways. And this is where I want to pick up from where we left off last week. Do you remember those three areas that we were going to focus on as we think about the glory of God, ethics for the glory of God? Does anybody remember those? Character goal, good. Becoming more like Christ. That we would be more formed into his image. Okay, good. Character goal. Behavioral goal. And results goal. Thank you. So behavior would be a life of obedience. That's why I said we were going to be talking about these things. And results is a life that bears fruit. So the three goals, if I may write them here. Character. uh, And then behavior. And results. And I want to think about the relationship of these three as well. 
today as we um, continue on. So we said that the character goal is to be conformed, that we would be conformed to the image of Christ, and that we would be pursuing Christ-like character. Uh, as we saw in Romans chapter 8, those whom he uh, foreknew, uh, he, uh, let me read this here, uh, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Romans eight twenty nine. Now, as, as we think about that, um, really what we're thinking about in some of this is uh, progressive sanctification. I may use those, if I may use that language. Progressive sanctification, that we are becoming more like Christ over time. Um, if that, since that is true, and we talked a little bit about last week, that who, who does this work? Is it us striving to do this work? Is it God doing this work? Who, who's doing this work? And we said it is both and, that God does the work of sanctification in our lives as we pursue sanctification. Um, so if that's the case, since that's the case, let me ask this question. If we were to pursue Christ-likeness, to be like Christ, what would that look like? If we were to pursue Christ-likeness, what is Christ-like? Maybe we could look at it that way. Gifts of the Spirit. Gifts of the Spirit, which would be, can we, can we name some of them? Love, joy, long-suffering. Good. We're going to actually look at this here in a second, this text in Galatians. So the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. We could get a list of Christ-like virtues. I was just going to say, on our part, it looks like a lot of repentance. Repentance? Okay. As I become, uh, as I am becoming more aware of my own sin, as I'm becoming more aware of my um, my heart that still needs renewed. We have been given new hearts, but we still need to be renewed day by day. Then I am Luther. Martin Luther said the Christian life is a life of repentance. Okay, good. What else? First well, Peter two. Jesus left an example that we should follow in his steps in dealing with abuse and suffering. Okay. Yeah, when, when uh, uh, 1 Peter 2, uh, we should follow in the footsteps of Christ when uh, we suffer as our master suffered. Good. What else? Sorry? Humility. Okay, yeah, fighting for truth, fighting against falsehood. Um, uh, Christ is, we remember when he was at his trial and said, and Pilate said, what is truth, right? And his truth was the standing before him, um, very God, very man, uh, standing before him as truth. Uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So we would be pursuing truth. We would be pursuing a life that 
is not characterized by falsehood or deceit, but it is characterized by truth. Right. That, that pursuit looks like a lot of uh, quietness before the Lord, a lot of reading and studying and disciplining in that area. Okay. Disciplining ourselves for the purpose of godliness. Um, pursuing the habits, these, these habits of discipline, Bible intake, prayer, meditation, um, fasting perhaps. Um, what do you know about what Jesus did? Right? He would get away. I was going to say, follow his example of yeah, being quiet with the, going up on the mountain or whatever, being quiet sure. and then he taught us how to pray because he taught us how to pray. Right. Yeah. This is what I want us to think about. What does it mean to be like Christ? What is Christ like? <laughs> so you begin to meditate and you think about what is his character? Who is, what is he like? I was going to say also, right relationship with other people, leaders, that you follow their example, one anothering, love, encourage, strengthen, and all of those. Okay, so that's, you're getting, you're getting, um, I'm just going to write this, I don't know if you guys probably can't see it because of this wall here. Um, I do want to think about, and we'll see where we get, ethics in community. The one another's of living as brothers and sisters together. I was just looking, uh, <clears throat> get a little, get a little choked up. I was just looking at the directory of our church, of our people, thinking about um, all of these lives that are represented, and uh, that we're brothers and sisters. And what does it mean to love one another and to be like Christ with one another as we interact? This is all very good. Thank, this is what I want, to, um, want us to think about. So turn, let's confirm this with some scripture. Turn to Colossians uh, chapter 3. Thinking again of the character goal to be conformed to the image of Christ, pursuing Christ-like character, Colossians chapter 3. And again, we'll read an extended here, 3. Um, oh, we could start in verse 1. I was thinking of verse 5, but I think 1 even helps more. So 3.1, if then you have been raised with Christ... Seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are earth, on, on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Verse 5, put to death, therefore, notice that, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. And in these two, you once walked. It's, it's past, right? It's, you once walked when you were living them. But now, verse 8, you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. There's our truth, a pursuit of truth. Do not lie to one another. Seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have... Put on the new self, which has been being renewed in the knowledge, uh, in knowledge after the image of its creator. Who are pursuing Christ-like. 
Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all in and in all. Verse 12, put on then. So you have put off, put off. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Do you see this? Putting on Christ-likeness, putting off the old self. There are those virtues to put on, and there are those old ways to put off um, in this life. But how do we do this? How do we put on and put off? And I I wanted to start in verse 1 for that reason. Someone said the power of the Spirit. Okay, seeking the... Having the mindset of Christ, setting our hearts on things that are above, you said, by the power of the Holy Spirit, says, if then you have been raised with Christ, chapter 3, verse 1. For you have died, verse 3, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. If you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God, there is this union with Christ. It implies, how do we, how do we follow these? How do we put to death? How are we actively putting to death our old person and putting on these new things? It's because we have been raised with Christ. It's because Christ is our life and that we have died. There's this implication that we are united with Christ in his death. As we always talk about when we do our baptism, you have died with Christ. Your life is now hidden with Christ. You're raised with Christ. Uh, It implies a union with Christ. So we do this because we are united with Christ. Not in order to be. That's why I wanted to start in Galatians. But because we already are. And you have already seen this. The parallel passage here of Colossians 3 is Galatians 5. So if you want to go there, it's very familiar. Galatians 5, starting in verse 16. Galatians 5, starting in verse 16. As we're thinking about the language of Colossians, putting off and putting on. Now let's think about Galatians 5.16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, 
drunkenness, orgies, and the things like these, I warn you as I warned before that those who do, those who make a practice of doing such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also Keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. It's the work of the Spirit. It's walking in the Spirit. It's because the Spirit has already been, is already residing in us. He is in us if we are united with Christ. Um, and so um, I want to read a quote. Um, based on these two passages, this Colossians passage, the Galatians passage. Uh, And and sometimes in ethics they talk about uh, sin lists, which we've seen two sin lists here, and virtue lists, which we see these virtue lists. Put off sin, put on virtue. Put off the old man, put on Christ. And uh, you may be familiar, you may not, but there's a a commentator named G.K. Beale, And he um, says this, all of these qualities, and we're speaking, he's actually speaking of the Colossians passage here, but all of these qualities and the particular Greek words translated here are attributed either to God or to Christ in the New Testament. All those qualities that we looked at are attributed to either God or Christ, showing further that the good behavior of the Colossians is necessary because it is to mirror the behavior of God and their Lord Jesus, in whose image they have been created. The notion is implicit from the wider context of Colossians. Christians are to image God's character. Just as God or Christ is compassionate, as he is kind and humble, gentle, patient. I think you you said all of these when we were having this discussion. Patient toward believers, so are the believers to be toward one another. And then this article that I'm reading, this is not G.K. Beale, but this is a continuation of this article. And it needs to be repeated that all of this is not about self-effort. Of trying really hard to do a lot of good stuff and trying to do a lot of less bad stuff. The key here is being in union with Christ. That makes all the difference. Because we are united with him, we can live lives that are pleasing to him. And I think that's just a continual theme that we've heard even from the pulpit for the last two or three weeks and in, in this class as well. So uh, we did not plan it that way. The Holy Spirit is doing these things in our midst. Okay. Could you read that last statement again? Okay. Not effort. Uh, this is the this is the article. It's not G.K. Beale, but it is it's someone that I'm reading here. It needs to be repeated that all of this is not about self-effort of trying really hard to do a lot of good stuff and trying to do a lot less bad stuff. The key is being in union with Christ, because that makes all the difference. Because we are united with Him, we can live lives that are pleasing to Him. Do you have a thought? Yeah, I, I'm I'm questioning whether. Self-effort or union with Christ in either or seems like it's more of both and. You know, make every effort to be holy without holiness. You know, no one will see the Lord. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just trying to understand. I know what he's saying there. And yeah. I agree with it, but I'm, I'm wondering if he doesn't undercut 
the responsibility the that we have. Right? Yeah, and that's that's a good clarification, which is um, we're not doing these things. I, I think maybe what he's trying to say is we're not doing this to to earn favor to gain merit, but we are we do need to have maximum effort uh, in the Christian life. Um, you know, this idea of letting go and letting God is not, it's not what Scripture says. Right? We want to pursue Christ. We want to pursue holiness. I'm about to bust because we're in a study right now of abide in Christ. And so John 15 says, abide in me and I in you. And it's like a command yeah. that we need to do it. Yeah. Yeah, and he will bear much fruit, right? Yes. So, so there's our fruit, bearing fruit, but it's in the abiding in Christ. Um, yeah, good. Mm. And there's always a telltale sign when you are in your own strength trying to be good enough and that kind of thing. It's like that burden mm. that um, Pilgrim had on mm. his back. It's like that burden. But when you are in the Spirit, when you are, you know, the abiding in Christ is, is actually um, carrying the. Mm through the spirit it's it's like Christ always said it's burdenless uh, my, my, my yoke is easy not, yep my laws are not a burden yeah his, his yeah commands are not burdensome my yoke is easy and my burden is light um, yeah part of that is the mature maturation and maturity in in growing in Christ is um, continually crying out I need I, I cannot do this on my own I find this years later I'm Always still saying these things, praying these things, Lord, I, I need I need your help, I need your strength. Also, I, I, I lean rather heavily on Ezekiel 36, where he says, He causes us hmm. to be able to uh, walk in his statutes and be able to obey his Right. Rules. He writes his law on our hearts. Absolutely. Uh, so it's a really good combination of the two. Yeah. Responsibility and yep. Sovereignly. Yep. Yeah. Good. Yes. Um, so, so I want to um, end this. I want to then. So we were in Galatians. I want to go back just to Colossians to that Colossians three, and I want to pick up this uh, this idea of um maybe some practical application we haven't really done any and i said we wouldn't do much applied ethics and really what we're thinking of that is well how do we apply ethics to uh end of life issues or to um, you know the governing authorities or any sort of these applied applied ethics uh imago day human nature that but I think here, this is interesting, as you look back at the Colossians 3 passage. Um, and I want to think about ethics in community or ethics for the church. Um, if I say this, and I'm using this, I'm not necessarily thinking of the, the, the biblical Solomon, but I'm trying to pick a name that is not represented in this room. So I'm going to use the name Solomon here. Maybe there is Solomon in this room. But if I say Solomon was a kind man, if I, use, if I just say that, if Solomon was a kind man, how would we know that? How would you be able to dis- discern or 
to understand whether that's a true statement. If we say Solomon was a kind man. That's what he wrote in his resume. That's what he put on his resume. He, he, said, it, he said it himself. <laughs> okay, so he behaves that way. What might that behavior look like? Yeah, I actually have this here. Um, he he uh, was um, helping someone who maybe was in need or less fortunate, as we sometimes say. How else? Very Would, gentle responses. Okay, the way he speaks. I have that too. The way he spoke to people. He was a kind man. What else? Faithful. He was faithful. You could see that in his consistency, in the way he came and came and went from work. His faithfulness to his spouse. Good? Slow to anger. Slow to anger. But how do you know he was slow to anger? I mean, that's, a, that's a true statement. That's probably true. But how, do, how would we know he was slow to anger? He was patience through difficult situations. Okay. The way he responds to a situation, perhaps the way he responded to you. Yeah. <laughs> right? The point, the point I'm trying to get at is. Uh, D- David Wells in, in his book, and I've, if I could just make a little quote here, we're, we're, I've been um, thinking about the moral decline of, of our nation and even in the, the church, not necessarily this church, but the church, why the church must recover its moral vision. And he's talking about the classic virtues, all of these virtues that we've been speaking of. Um, I think they're biblical virtues. He says classical, but... These virtues, and I'm quoting here, these virtues had always been thought about in relation to, listen, in relation to the community in which a person lived. To act justly was not just an internal attitude, but the practice of what was upright in context of where that moral virtue had been put to the test. Does that make sense? So I have wronged Solomon I have done something and he was kind to me. In context, we learn about this person's virtue. It's virtue. You're practicing the virtues in uh, community. When we come, I'm back quoting again. When we come to the modern period, which we're in, and as communities begin to disappear, the virtues begin to stand alone. Now you just hear that he's an honorable person. Well, how do I know he's an honorable person? It's just this thing that sits out here that is not in relation to any sort of community or in involvement in anything. Uh, when the virtues were privatized, it became a private thing. They were no longer something that was practiced in community. Uh, they were disengaged from public life, and then he's making the argument that now we have this lit- litigation society. Everything has to be law now because we don't... We're not self-governing people anymore. We're not moral people anymore. And that's not acted out in the midst of people, our, our, our moral life. Um, and so I want to think about that virtue. Our virtue, our ethics are most visible. How do we know that Solomon was this kind of a person? Because of our relationships, because of the community that we are in. Character does not stand alone. It's seen in community. It's seen in the way we relate. So, this putting off, right? Put to death, therefore, is back to Colossians 3.5, put to death. And this putting on 
in our growth and in our sanctification, there is relationship. Are you following this? Yeah, there has to be. Um, so notice, go back down to, you're in Colossians 3, look, look at verse 12 and following. Note, note also, and I should have said this at the very beginning, the, the, imperative, the vast majority of the pronouns, whether they're the imperative or just uh, you, you, you understand a pronoun, right? You, we, we should, <laughs> we're, we're confused in our culture about pronouns, but this, this says you. The you, the vast majority of the you is actually plural. So Paul is speaking to you all, Colossians. And, he, and so, verse, so keep that in mind as you look at verse 12. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. You all, in your midst, put on kindness, put on humility, put on meekness and patience. And note, even now you're getting to bearing with one another. Uh, you can't do a one another, as, Gary, as Brother Gary said. We, we talked about one another. You can't do one another without other people. Right? So we're seeing this in community. Forgiving each other. Of course, if I've been wronged, I'm called to forgive as Christ has forgiven me. Verse, uh, the end of verse 13 there. And put on love. I can't love just in isolation. Uh, which binds everything together. How are we to sing to one another? Verse 16, I'm dropping down a little bit. How are we to sing to one another and admonish one another and to encourage one another with thankfulness? It's, it's all this. Right? And maybe that's, maybe that's why I get, I, you know, I think about our, I was saying, I was reading our church directory, kind of scrolling through it and, you ought to do this. You can get this on the, you have this members website that we have. Just go, go, go open up the member directory and scroll through it and just think about our people and those we are in community with and how we might love one another and show humility and bear with one another in meekness and in patience and serve the Lord together. Um, so the best place immediately, we talk about broad application of ethics but one of the best places to start is right here. Applied ethics right here in our midst of these virtues of Christ-likeness. Um, and um, let me just draw your attention. Let me see here. Uh, go to First Peter chapter 4. First uh, Peter chapter 4. And starting in verse 7. First Peter 4, uh, starting in verse 7. The end of all things is at hand. Since that's the case, therefore, be self-controlled. Here's more virtue. Be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Now, is there anything, uh, so we go, I would just go back, stop right there. Character, behavior, and results. These are our goals for the ethics for the glory of God. Character, behavior, and results. Just that, what Peter is saying here, above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Is there, what's, what's going on here? Can you see a couple of these items even in that command? Is there a character? Is there behavior? Where? Well, the character we have the love of God. Okay, love. The behavior 
Okay. And how are we to love one another? Earnestly. So there's something actually more than just like there's this act, act outside, this uh, visible. There's something. There's something going on. I, I, I yearn. I earnestly want to love my brothers and sisters. Uh, you keep, keep going. You can even see this more here. Uh, for love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality. Okay. There's there's something we can do. That's an action. How shall we show hospitality? Without grumbling. Notice there's an internal attitude of the heart. Right? So, so even, I'm hoping that you see that Scripture is all very much about not just our, the outward appearance or the outward action, but the inward attitude of the heart without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks, as one who speaks the oracles of God, whoever serves, serve by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may glor- be glorified through Jesus Christ. Do you see? So even in serving, so thinking about how you might serve, how you serve this church, maybe you already are, how you serve your brothers and sisters. As an act of obedience, as serving as Christ has loved us. So we love our brothers and sisters. Any thoughts on that? Questions? I think this is the most immediate application of ethics is that I would desire to serve my brothers and sisters and to love them with a Christ-like love and to exhibit these virtues. One, one comment that I, I see the weakness pretty broadly that we're so focused on ourselves mm. that we really don't give our attention to other people and their needs. Mm. And I think that, that one of the marks of a Christ-likeness, just as God moves out of himself mm. to be gracious to us, you know, there is a desire to give that person our attention, to know how we can serve them, how we can love them, how we can admonish them. Mm. And I think our relationships are so weak, I'm rarely admonished by anybody. Mm. Not because I don't need it, sure. you know, but that it doesn't happen, yep. you know, uh, or encourage me, you know. Yep. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And even Wells in his book, uh, this is not an excuse, but it is just a fact of our, our where we stand in this moment in time is that, we live such fragmented, isolated lives, right? And we don't have space sometimes. Like, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I don't have time. Like, and, and to really take the time to, to engage and to just be there for someone, right? Um, and not be thinking about It's because the, the tyranny of the urgent and all of these things and modernity that we have, that we're living these... Uh, frenzied schedules and, and, and all that we have um, it's true uh, what, what you're saying and so we must redouble our efforts in that way we do make effort um, I, I'm just working out with my sister um, trying to help her um, work through moving mm. and um, she wasn't thinking that people were wanting to help her I had to have a conversation with her. She was kind of shutting us out. And I said, 
you have this idea of what you want. And I said, maybe people can't do exactly what you want, but they want to help you. Mm -hmm. So I had to, we talked for an hour, and I had to help her understand that maybe like exactly what she wanted, maybe people couldn't do that, but they could do something else. Right. And yeah. And so we're working through. Yeah. Even that is, is receiving help, right? Is, is serving one another, but being okay. Like this is community and being able to be served uh, and receiving that as people want to love and to support others. So that's, that's good um, to think through. Um, I'm, Ron, I'm always on the edge of time here. I want, want, want to leave you with this. Can we remember this in three weeks when we come back to do this? <laughs> we're going to take a break for a couple of weeks. Um, but I want to think about the inter... Uh, the, uh, the textbook author, Grudem, he says this. He says, there is a mutually reinforcing interaction. How, do, how about that? Mutually reinforcing interaction between character, behavior, and results. And I want to actually explore that because there is this connectedness. They're, they don't stand sit, situated, isolated on an island, but character, if we can think about this, does not character produce certain behavior? Well, call it an MRI. What, is, what do you an mean? An MRI. An MRI? What were the three things you just said? Oh, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Mutually reinforcing. Remember it. Mutually reinforcing interaction. <laughs> Thank you. So the, as we study, we need to do an MRI on, uh, <laughs> on our ethics and how this is all, that's very good, interrelated with one another. So let's pick that up. This is, we've come to the end here. So let's pick that up in a couple of weeks. Um, and in the meantime, perhaps we might just uh, pray and think about how we can continue to love one another, serve one another in our, our ethics here in community. Um, so let me pray uh, for you, and then we can be, be dismissed. Lord, our, we're grateful for um, these, these moments, these brief moments that we can read your word and reflect on, on it. And even thinking of your character, the Lord Jesus Christ, and his meekness and tenderness, his kindness, his uh, fighting for truth, the very fact that he is truth, uh, in long-suffering with his brothers and sisters, in forgiving one another. I pray that you would help us um, as we even apply these virtues um, in our midst and in our community. So thank you for uh, giving us this time. And I do again pray that you would strengthen us by your spirit, that we would walk by your spirit, that we'd be led by your spirit. And we keep in step with your spirit. Oh, that you would strengthen us, uh, that we might become more like Jesus Christ. And so we pray for this next hour. We pray for our time of worship. That you would be glorified in that. We might worship you in spirit and truth, that you would bless the preaching of your word, the singing, uh, the reading and the prayer, all that would edify your church and bring great glory to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.